Imagine that you need a couch. And depending on your means, you might visit a high-end store. But if money's tight, maybe like when you were getting started or maybe like your kids today, you might head over to the Salvation Army or Goodwill or Habitat for Humanity and find a perfectly decent beige sofa for $60. Perfect. You'd haul it home, set up the sofa in your family room, stretch out and watch the Dodgers game. Only you can't get comfortable. Try as you might, bumps and lumps in the couch are making you miserable. This sofa is so lumpy, you can't even concentrate on the game. So you grab one of the cushions and you punch it to soften it up. And your fist hits something decidedly unfluffy. Unzipping the pillow, out falls an envelope. And then another, and then another, inside dozens and dozens of envelopes stuffed with $100 bills. Turn out, turns out that the entire couch is stuffed to the brim with cash-filled envelopes. You count it all up, and you've got a whopping $40,000. $40,000 in a couch, what would you do? That's a lot of money, a real treasure. Any one of us could find a use for $40,000. Maybe we'd pay off a debt or get a more reliable car or travel someplace amazing or help a loved one. The list, endless. Well, the story of a cash-stuffed couch really happened a while back. There were three young college students, women, who bought a $60 couch at Salvation Army, and it was stuffed with $40,000 worth of cash. But along with the cash, they found a receipt with a woman's name and phone number. So the three students, their names are Reese and Callie and Laura. They stayed up all night trying to decide what to do. We had a lot of moral discussions about the money, Callie said. We all agreed that we had to bring the money back to whoever it belonged to. It's their money. We didn't earn it. However, there are a lot of gray areas to discuss. Like, what if it was counterfeit money or what if the person who owned the money was dead now? Or what if they were a homicidal maniac or, or at least a really bad person? Callie and Laura and Reese were financially struggling themselves, and so they really could have used that money. Reese said, I would have bought my mother a new car. What she drives around is a piece of junk, and I really wanted to surprise her with a brand new one. But. The next morning, they did not go car shopping. Nope, they called the phone number on the receipt instead and found the owner of the sofa and the cash, a 91-year-old woman. She and her husband had been using that couch as their in-home savings account for decades. And as the husband's health declined, he kept giving his wife more and more cash to stuff into the to the couch, and, and then he died, and she broke her hip and ended up in the hospital. And while she was in the hospital, her children thought, finally, we can get rid of this ugly beige couch, and they got rid of it, replacing it with a hospital bed. 
So this elderly couple's savings account gone in an instant. Until that is, the three young women returned every penny of the money and that's what they did. And I'm wondering what you think. Did they do the right thing? They found a treasure. Legally, they owned that couch, so legally they owned the money inside the couch too. And morally though, it was another matter because they had to contend with this question of whether it was right to keep or return the money. And they gave it back. And they got a reward. The woman gave them $1,000. I think she should have given each of the girls $1,000. But as we know, when we do the right, the kind, the generous, the caring thing, we sometimes get rewarded for it and other times not. The idea of reward, though, is so important this morning in that passage you heard Father read from Matthew's Gospel. In that passage, Jesus says, whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous, and whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple. Truly, I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. So what is a prophet's reward? And what is the reward of the righteous? And, and what is the reward for giving a cup of cool water to a little one? Well, first of all, in these words, Jesus is talking about the importance of welcome. He's telling his disciples, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Welcoming others means welcoming God. Reaching out to others extends God's love, and receiving and welcoming those who reach out to us hosts God's love. Again, though, what does Jesus mean by reward? Now, as Christians, we, we think about our heavenly reward, the idea that after death, we are rewarded for the lives that we've led on earth and we enter in, into eternal life, the idea for some people of behaving really well while on earth so as to pass muster later, as if heaven and eternal life exist as a faraway country, a place in the future, and our only job now is to try to ensure that safe future. And yet, in this story today, we know that something magnificent is happening now. Not just in the future, but now. There is a reward now. And the reward now is the sharing of God's love and the receiving of God's love, the giving and the receiving. Suddenly, in this giving and receiving, we aren't just thinking about ourselves and acting on our own behalf anymore. Instead, the reward is you and I get to be part of something bigger and more wonderful than anything we can pull off on our own. This deep hospitality and this deep welcome, they matter. Every gesture matters. Every interaction 
matters. Every conversation we have all day long has the potential to truly and deeply matter because these moments provide us with continual opportunities for offering cool water to others. And we do it because Jesus wants us to and tells us to. And the reward is in the giving. The reward is the giving. And the reward is the receiving, the connecting one person to another in every moment. So think about these young women, Callie and Reese and Laura, getting in their car that fateful morning with $40,000 in cash and driving to the 91-year-old ailing woman's home, handing her the money. And when they do, she smiles and says, I feel like my husband is present in this room with us. Remember how he saved and saved for their old age by stuffing that couch. And they gave her a reminder of his loving care. It may not have been a sensible plan that he had, but it was a loving plan. And they gave her a more comfortable future than she would have had without that money. And she gave them the gift of feeling full of life, full because they were letting go and participating generously in life. That's a reward, that feeling. Not, oh, I'm such a good person, look at me being ethical and morally correct. We know that self-consciously morally correct behavior is often Hard, hard. This isn't about racking up brownie points, though, either in heaven or here on earth. No, the reward is the feeling of being in this with others. Fullness of life now. It's a fabulous reward. It's a real fortune. When we serve God and when we allow ourselves to receive God in and through one another, we experience a taste of heaven now. We get a foretaste of heaven. We glimpse heaven. And even in just these brief moments, we get to live in the kingdom of heaven now. We get to experience now the world God dreams for us always. It's more like looking through a window or, or lifting a, a veil on a realm just out of reach and getting to see it and feel it for a moment. And the more we live as Jesus teaches us to live, the more experiences we have like that of the kingdom of heaven now and eternal life now. It's in these moments we taste it and it's happening in every moment. Now and on through the future after we die. So what could be more important or more wonderful? What could be a better reward than this? A cup of cool water or returning cash that filled a lumpy sofa.
heaven. Amen.